Welcome to the Starfish Storytellers, the podcast that makes a difference one story at a time by bringing storytelling to life. Let me tell you about Kate. She is um, a resident of Arlington, and I met her when I first started here at the COA. She had an English background, so we connected uh, quite quickly. She used to come over for lunch and would be on the computer most days doing solitaire um, and spent most of her day in the computer room just doing things on the computer. She'd walk with a, um, a walker basket, so not a walker, but a basket with all of her things in it. She would come up from Arlington on the bus and spend the whole day with us and then go back almost five days a week, which was amazing. Um, during COVID, she couldn't come to us, um, but did send us letters. So I received a few letters from her thanking us for our newsletter um, and telling us about everything that she'd been getting up to during COVID. What amazed me is that she went past two councils on aging to get to us. So she went past the Arlington COA and the Lexington COA and just preferred whatever we had. That's that's what she was doing. Um, more recently, she was visiting with her niece. She'd get her niece to drive her. Um, she was having some mobility issues um, and came to see us and hung out and did everything she used to do, which was really great. And then a couple of weeks ago, she called and said, I think I've just had my last visit at the COA. She said, I've just been diagnosed with terminal cancer and nobody can do anything. I want to tell you that if you do send me the newsletter, it will be building up in my mailbox, so don't send it. So all she did was call us because of that, which was really amazing because we knew we'd known her for so long that that we were the people she wanted to call to tell about her news. So she was amazing. She'd been a teacher. She was resilient. She was one of those folks who had so many disabilities, so many things going on in her life, but still found time for us at the COA, which was really superb. So we wish her well in her journey. She's with her family, um, but she was really inspirational, and that's really why we do what we do. Henry and welcome to the Starfish Storytellers. I'm the CEO of the Black Dog Group, a Marcom and project management firm headquartered on the east coast of the U.S. in quaint colonial Bedford, Massachusetts. I'm your host and passionate about storytelling, and I'm actually on a mission to raise up the next generation of storytellers. We've named ourselves the Starfish Storytellers after the Starfish Story. The moral of the Starfish Story is based on the power of one. No matter how big the challenge, each action we take makes a difference and has an impact. One step, one starfish, or one story at a time. Every episode, we welcome a new storyteller who will share their story meant to inspire and connect with you. Then we'll break it down and offer tips for any listeners who are ready to tell their own stories. So thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. Today's episode is about senior stories, celebrating lives well-lived. And with me today is Allison, I'm going to get this right, <laughs> Cherevensky. You got it the director of the Council on Aging here in Bedford, Massachusetts. The Council on Aging is the town's department dedicated to the health and well-being of Bedford residents who are 60 years old or older. So thank you for giving us your time today. We're so happy to have you here. You're very welcome. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. 
Um, so we'd like to get started just to hear a little bit more about you. Um, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So Alison Shavensky, I'm the director of the Bedford Council on Aging. I've been working for the town for about eight years, going on nine, which is really wonderful. Um, and I love it. It's the best job I've ever had. And the staff really enjoy it as well. So we, we um, work with seniors, their families and um, organizations and agencies that also work with seniors too and also have a very close relationship with the town departments, especially police and fire. So we work very closely together to um, maintain the health and wellness of residents. Mm -hmm. Now, I had read somewhere that uh, in Bedford, seniors make up almost a third of the population. Mm -hmm. Is that that still an accurate number? Yeah, about 30%. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It used to be one in five. It's heading to one in three people. Wow. Over 60, which that's good for me. <laughs> Definitely. Well, yeah. it means that people like it here. They, yes. they stay, you know, they stay in this town. Yes. And they do so. want to stay. Sometimes the assumption is that older people want to move out of town, but they mm-hmm. don't. They don't. We've had some residents here for over 50 years and they want to stay here. Their friends are here. Their community's here. Their church is here. Everything's here. Yeah. So that, again, that's really good for us. So they want to stay. Yeah. They want to stay. Absolutely. They love they, the town. Yeah. They want to stay and stay connected. That's awesome. Kate's story was powerful, um, you know, and I think it speaks volumes to, you know, how important the connections that she has made at the COA really, really are and yeah. how critical it is for this age group, um, you know, for folks to, to be connected, be with other people. Um, so, you know, I was reading a little bit about senior stories and, um, you know, aging is actually providing us an opportunity to learn from the stories of others. And this is how we grow and we benefit from their experiences right. when they tell their stories. Right. Um, and that's really why, you know, contributions from elderly folks really, really should not be overlooked. You know, they have some of the most eloquent voices out oh, there. Yes. Um They've historically had the most powerful, important role in the storytelling process because it's through their oral history, written history, that civilizations were built, cultures were developed. Um, And so, you know, we need to preserve those stories and we, you know, we benefit, you know, we collect their values, we have them for the future generations. Um, You know, I, 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 I think it's just so important that we, that we talk about them and their stories and, and, you know, hearing about them. Um, so you work in an environment that puts you in contact with elders every day. Mm -hmm. You get, you get the benefit of hearing their stories every day. Um, what kinds of stories do they come and talk to you about? Do they share with you? Well, I think it depends on the day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we have so many different levels of relationship with people. Some of the more regular folks, we know everything soup to nuts about their family, their connections. One of our staff went to school here, so she's now seeing her teachers come through the COA, which is really wonderful. Some of the folks are just transient. They come in for a program and then they leave. So what I say is that we're, we're here for all of that. We're here for the long term if you want to chat with us and let us know your stories. And then we're also here for the short term because people are aging but they're also busy and working and, you know, they, they've got a lot of things to do. So some of the stories, um, some of them will generate work for us. So someone's saying, you know, I'm trying to get some help at home and I've paid into this long-term health insurance for the longest time, but I don't qualify because I don't need enough help. So that's a conversation that we have and maybe some others around the table as well. Um, but we may be able to help with that. So it, it might generate us a conversation about, health insurance and how else can we support you 
some of the other things, of course, we've got the proud grandparents telling you about their grandkids and great grandkids, what they did in school, um, their everyday health. We have some people who are, you know, they're close to not being very well, but they like to be with us. They'll talk to us. They give us their update about their health. So all and all and any conversation you can have. And I think something that benefits us is that every single staff person that works there is open to it. We have the time. We make the time. You know, I'll have a list of 10, 15 things I need to do. But if it means that conversation takes a priority, then that's that's what we'll do. Because like you said, they've the seniors have made decisions that have given us the life and the country that we have now. Mm-hmm. And the decisions they've made have shaped the Bedford of today. Mm-hmm. You have committees and boards that have lots of older people on them with their history and their um, experience in education. So it's important. They they deserve the time. And like I said, with the staff, we've got the right team doing that too. And I, I hope and I think everybody feels heard when they come. They know they can reach out to us. Yeah. Sometimes it's very bizarre. Like, when are they picking up the trash this week? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's an assumption we know everything about everything. Yeah. Because they know we have the answer or we'll find the answer for them or we'll get back to them. So it's, it's, a, it's almost like extended family. It really is. Nice. Mm. Now, it was interesting. You were talking about... Some are transient. They come and yeah. they they take they do a program and they and they and they're still very busy. Yeah. Um, have you seen? I mean, you've been there for eight years. Have you seen a a change in the age groups that are coming through? Um, is it is it more senior seniors? Is it like all seniors starting in their sixties? Is it um, and um, you know what? We'll talk a little bit in a minute about some of the programs, yeah. but. Um, you know, is, have you seen like a trend? Like, has it changed? I I'm guessing there's probably been some change yeah. since COVID too. Oh, yes, for sure. So I'll say when you look back on old photographs, we've got them in the basement and have a look. And it was a lot of retired men and women, a lot of gray hair sitting around doing the same thing. So they would all play bingo or they would all go on a trip or they would all do. So everyone kind of did the same, the same types of things. Now we have to cater for an audience that wants a lot of different things, just like you and I. We, I think that's the that's the magic, the magic thing that a COA has to do is just. I, I say we're like Madonna. We have to reinvent ourselves, yeah, so we can attract all the folks. So you've got the old, old eighty, ninety, a hundred that come and you know they like their seat and they like a certain thing, and then you've got people who are retired or thinking about retirement and they'll come and try out an exercise class. They don't think they're old enough yet, but they are. Um, and then everybody else in between. So I'll say the average folks, the age group that we get the most are in their seventies. And then you've got people who will never come to the COA because they're not old enough or they don't, they, they think that it's bingo and blue hair and all of that. Um, but everyone will need us at some point. You know, we try and avoid the, um, the urgent, like I need all these services right now. We want to try and slowly invite everybody in. So that's what we try and do with our programs is um, try and attract as many people as we can mm-hmm. with different things because everybody wants something different. And there's mm-hmm. over 50 things every week to choose from and they will resonate with different people. Yep. So we really have to kind of try and see what works best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, reading that, you know, really wise seniors 
you know, live in the present and they actually stay physically fit and they, and they stay mentally fit. And, um, you know, I have your, your newsletter here and it is chock full. And I know you told me this is two months worth, but this is chock full of things to do and activities and, um, you know, uh, what are you, what are you finding that, um, you know, and I, and I noticed in it that there was a lot of, there is things for, you know, physical fitness and, um, you know, um, support groups and things like that. What are some of the more popular ones? And, um, you know, what are the, you know, is there like an age group that tends to lean more towards, you know, something more like a support group versus something more like, um, you know, like a a fitness class? Sure. So I'll say we do see younger folks at the fitness classes, but I can't say exclusively that there isn't someone who's 91 in some of the classes because they are. Um, there's a lot of different things to offer. Um, I forgot your question. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just wondering like what, what are the most popular oh, right. ones that you're seeing? Right. So every year I do um, a status update. So we have a, a check-in that everybody signs into and that gives me data. Thank goodness. We used to have a person do that manually by hand in the past nightmare. So the most popular are exercise classes and then anything that's social. So I will say that over COVID, we knew that that was something people were missing, was just that opportunity to come chat with someone, sit with someone. So we try to do a lot more of those social things when people start to come back. So you add a meal, everyone's coming for a free meal. And then if you tag on a program to that as well, sometimes you're kind of getting, you know, um, two birds with one stone. And sometimes you never know. We'll put a program on. We did one about, um, do I rent my car or buy a new car? And we didn't know whether that was going to fly. And it was packed, packed full. The one this this month that seems very interesting is the talk about the Ukraine. Oh, so you never yeah, know. Yep. You just never know what's going to work for folks. We have the tried and true things that we do every month, the meals, um, exercise classes, the movies. And you typically see the same types of folks for those. Um, the exercise classes are the thing that's drawing the younger folks right now, I think, um, because it's really a great low cost class Mm -hmm. and the instructors are, they understand the older body. So they allow you to do the class or not use the weight or not. And, you know, we're not throwing around a beach ball. We're actually lifting weights and using, you know, the, the ball and, and, um, doing yoga and really good quality stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's a mix and whenever somebody is new and comes over to see us for the first time, we will encourage them to come for lunch because you'll see 35, 40 people, um, and then choose something that works for the day that, that it works for you. If you just say, oh, just go to the COA mom, you got to do something. You got to go there for a specific thing because mm-hmm. then you're more, you're more um, engaged, more um, connected to us and it'll give you a reason to come back. And I think that's our success is if you come back, yep. it means you loved it and we did the right thing. Yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. Um, there's another question I had for you. Oh, <clears throat> I had a question. Um, so you, you hear a lot of senior stories every day, but I would expect that some of the more revered one ones would be coming from your veterans. Um, do you, do you ever have any veterans who either come and speak to the, to the seniors or any veterans mm-hmm. groups or seniors that sort of socialize together? I, I would imagine those yeah. are very, very powerful stories. Yeah. So we used to have a, a veterans group that came once a week before, once a month before COVID. Um, unfortunately they were 
those Second World War veterans that were very old. Mm-hmm. And that group would share their stories. You hear some amazing stories from our veterans. Mm-hmm. They are unbelievable. Um, but that never came back after COVID. It was just one of those things that didn't, either the the um, the leader couldn't do it. Um, a lot of the veterans died. Um, we also have a very close connection with the VA. So mm-hmm. we have um, the veterans over there too. Um, and one of my, one of my other, I'm not allowed to have favorites, but one of my other um, friendlier seniors was, was a World War II vet, um, Air Force. He was amazing. He, he'd done so much. He traveled the world. He'd flown every aircraft possible. Um, he was very close with his family. He would share all of his stories and he was so humble with what he'd done. I mean, he, it was amazing because we had two veterans. He flew and the other veteran um, was a Navy SEAL and they were friends and found out that they were on the same mission at the same time wow. and one of them was in the plane and one of them was in the water. So those kinds of things, you it's amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. And that's why they also deserve the time and to be honoured and to be remembered because they have made those sacrifices mm-hmm. as well as their families as well. So the spouses too serve at the same time mm-hmm. and this this individual here he would go and visit his wife's grave every day he would go hang out then he would come over and he would be in the computer room and play music and he would share his stories once in a while and then over covid it's almost like he forgot us so he hadn't been at the coa for so many months and this happened across the board with all of the coas that people who had been very engaged very connected all of a sudden forgot that we even had a relationship so they were angry and upset and they missed us. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to get him back because he passed away shortly afterwards. Mm-hmm. But the people that we saw that did come back, they got that social part back, which mm-hmm. was really special. Mm-hmm. So it's more than just having a lunch or doing a class. There's so much more in it. And it's just that human connection, which they deserve so much and our veterans especially. Now, did you did you still operate during COVID? Yeah. And if so, how? Yeah. <laughs> So this is the magic of the COA. So um, we were told, I think it was March 13th, that mm-hmm. all town offices would be, were closing. Yep. So for the COA, for the, the community of COAs, because we work with all the sister communities in the state and nationally too, everyone went, oh, goodness, what are we going to do? Luckily, I've got a very close sister network of COAs around. So we would we got on the phone right away and started talking about what are we going to do? And we went online virtual programs so we would never have forced technology on you know 90 year olds but for sure I've got a 93 year old who learned how to do zoom so the first one we did our sing-along our piano teacher and the um her husband who volunteered with us he said I'm concerned that these people are not going to get any programs Mm -hmm, I'm I'm worried about mm -hmm. them could we try and do this on Zoom? So he was the first one and we tried it and luckily we had emails of folks or we asked people to call in and give us their emails and we created these pockets of virtual programs. So a few, uh, it took us a few months in, but we were completely virtual. Mm-hmm. The center was open, so we had um, drive-through meals. So mm-hmm. Minuteman Senior Services offered a meal that you could drive by and pick up, which was amazing because people did that. And then some of our seniors would come by and hang out outside the window and just chat to us through the window, which was really great. 
So the virtual programs, um, our newsletter became our main way. So that newsletter has loads of programs now. It became our communication to the community. Mm -hmm. So there's a letter on that front page. And I used to hate writing that letter. I'm like, oh, I just want us to be open. But everyone responded to that and they said they really enjoyed hearing from us on a personal level and I mm -hmm. could share what was going on. We're masking, we're not masking. We've got this program and that program. So that newsletter really became our main way Life to communicate. Yes. Really? We put Sudoku in there. We put crosswords in there. We had recipes in there. So it really took on a, a life of its own. But the staff also adapted everything that they were doing. So we were taking turns going in the office. We had, um, I mean, we could all work virtually from home. We were delivering food as well. So there was a lot of things we tried to do to keep connected to people over COVID. And then once we reopened, it was a slow, slow start because people were scared to death. Like some mm -hmm. people did not want to come back. They were afraid. So right now I'd say about a quarter of our programs still are in a virtual format. And we also have things in person as well. So I feel like as a network, the Council on Aging as a whole and Massachusetts Council on Aging really did a 180 and helped as many people as we could. There are so many people that learn Zoom and mm -hmm. now they use it personally and with their families. And I, and I think, well, we did that. We helped them. Mm -hmm. um, and for someone to, like I said, my 93-year-old, to now be able to get on Zoom herself and she's still connected. She may never come back to the center, but she's still connected. So... COVID was our challenge, but we know we can do it. So if it happens again, not that we want it to happen again, but um, You're completely ready. a virtual world. And um, it just shows how much it meant to people because it worked. And our friends group too offered funding to make all those classes free during COVID, which was really amazing. So I started to pay an instructor and usually we ask for a small fee, but um, the friends group stepped in and really paid for everything for that time frame so that's wonderful so grateful for them as well yeah so you said there, there's about a quarter of your programming yeah. is still is still on zoom yeah or still virtual mm -hmm. what kinds of programs are virtual so our yoga teacher had a specific room and a specific group and uh, before covid she had three different groups the floor the chair and an osteo yoga specifically since COVID, there have been some shuffling of rooms at town center. So the room that she was in isn't available at the time she wants. There's another room, but her class really loves it. So for some reason, yoga seems to work at home. I mean, you, you know, you can do it in a small space. Um, and we ask the classes routinely, do you want to come back in person? It might mm -hmm. be a schedule change, mm -hmm. but they love it. And that group has grown so big. It wouldn't even fit in the room that it used to be in. So that is amazing. Wow. Um, Zumba is also at home at 4.30, that's our afternoon program, which is working out really well. Um, our writing group, they're online. So mm -hmm. some things really work very well that they just chat. Some of them are hybrid. So our poetry group, there's a few people who want to be online and there's a few people that want to be in person. So mm -hmm. we've made that mm -hmm. work as well. So if they're not feeling well, they might stay home, but they could still participate as well. So those types of classes, hmm, is there anything else? Let me think. Oh, the chair exercise as well. So when we came back after COVID, we wanted to focus on the Zoom classes that were for folks who might be at home and not be able to come in. Mm -hmm. So the other ones, um, like the aerobics and the different classes where it's more physical, moving around a little bit more, we wanted those in person. Mm. So chair became very popular on Zoom as well. So we've got a few folks at home doing chair on Mondays and Wednesdays. So it's a great it's a great offering. We would have never have thought of that ourselves before COVID. And it's really worked nicely with the, the offerings that we have too. So I feel like we're reaching 
more than we did before in different ways. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And the instructors too. They they don't mind. There's I was so lucky that the instructors found a space in their house that they had an empty room <laughs> that they can run a class mm-hmm. and do it professionally and the yoga instructor for example has a beautiful background it looks like a studio but it's her spare room so it's just wonderful it's a team effort though everyone works so well together to make it happen nice yeah nice nice um the only thing left i wanted to ask um so you've been working with elders for eight years here Mm -hmm. i'm sure you have had your career has been in yeah yeah and it's you have to deal with death Mm mm-hmm a lot yeah. and um you know how how is that like how how is that when you're working with a with someone and then and then they're no longer there yeah. um how do you prepare yourself for something like that or how do you how have you done it over the yeah. years it's it's a it's a funny thing because if you've done this for a long time you it's expected so it's not it's not a shock it's not surprising when someone is you know 93 and passes away I think the first experience I had if I'm thinking back I used to work in Cambridge for the um elder service plan of the Cambridge Health Alliance Mm -hmm. and I came I worked at a summer camp for kids with special needs before that in New Jersey so I didn't deal with a lot of passing um at the camp because it was you know young young children so I was running programs in Cambridge and I remember there was a table of women and there was always these four women and one day this chair was empty mm-hmm. and I looked out of my office. I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened? And somebody told me that she passed away and I went, oh my, it was my first experience. I think I was 22 or something. And the closest person who'd passed since then was my grandfather. So it was very personal to me. Mm-hmm. So the social worker at the time took me under a wing and she said, this is your first one, isn't it? I'm like, yes, how do you deal with it? And that team, and it's what we do now. You come together, you talk about it, you process together. We've cried together. We've had families come in and we will remember each other. We have our obituary table too. So whenever we get in a bit, and if there isn't, if someone's obituary is not on that table, mm-hmm. they tell us about it. Like, mm-hmm. where is Mary's obituary? Um, so we process, we talk, and it's an honor to help them at the end of their life. So when somebody passes, you know they had the best time with you at the end. When when my veteran friend passed away, we were so sad that he'd forgotten us with COVID because he had such a great relationship with us. Mm. And after he passed, every day you'd see him, he'd go, well, I'm not, my name wasn't on the gravestone. I'm on the I'm on the side of the grass again. So he was ready. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that when you work with elders, um, it's something that you have to deal with. It, it's, it's going to happen. I always ask it of new interviews or students as well. How do you deal with that personally? Because everyone has a different way. But you have to expect it and you have to honor the person and you have to remember them. And we talk about them and we share photographs. Um, And like I said, we're richer because of of knowing them. So Mm -hmm. even though somebody might die tomorrow, we've had a great time with them. And I think when when you're able to share that with their family too, and we've done that too, like Mm -hmm. if their family comes in to return equipment or whatever, um, or we've sent letters to families and this uh, this is what I knew about your dad. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much. And it was an honor. So um, it's, it's okay. I mean, yes, there are some people that they really get in your heart like Kate. You know, she was just amazing. And when you hear stories, you go, I can't believe she called us to tell Mm -hmm. me that she had cancer. And now I have to think about that. But in a way, it was just an honor that she even thought to call us. So it's it's really special. And and not a lot of people can do it. Mm -hmm. But 
the people that can are my staff as well and um, teams that I've worked with in the past. It just is so honourable and so respectful mm-hmm. and, and it's important to honour people yes. as well. Yes, very important. Yeah. If somebody wants to learn more about the Council on Aging, sure. I know you were just talking a little bit about um, you invite new people to come for mm-hmm. a meal and a program. Um yeah. What else should, because I mean, there may be some folks who might be interested in your programming, but they're homebound. Sure. Um, you know, what, what should they do? What, what steps should they take? Sure. So the, th- the first thing folks can do is always give us a call. So our phone number is on our newsletter and mm-hmm. it's on the town website mm-hmm. as well. And families do call us to find out what's going on. And we can give you recommendations about the best things that might work for you. Right now, the newsletter also has a little forget-me-not um, flower all the way through. So anyone who has dementia and families are looking for things for them to do, look in the newsletter, find that, and um, and come to those programs. Um, if you are at home, we can have our social worker come out to visit too. Mm-hmm. And again, that phone number is a, a one-stop shop for everything. We, we uh, refer people out from, from those areas too. If folks want to come by and have a look, We'll do a little tour and walk around and show you all the spaces. Um, sometimes folks like to visit when it's quiet mm-hmm. and some people like to see it busy and vibrant. So depending mm-hmm. on which kind of environment you're looking for, we can we can find a spot for you there too. But definitely reach out. There's an email as well that folks can reach out to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no wrong door really. So however you come to us, you know, word of mouth works too. Um, new folks are always welcome and even out of town about a quarter of our attendees are from different towns which is okay too nice yeah nice well that's all the time we have for today but um thank you so much allison for coming and talking about the coa and all that you do there and you know all these wonderful stories of of such important people who basically are the history of this town yeah um so i really enjoyed um just really hearing it all so thank you thank you so much And to our listeners, whether you hear us locally from the BTV studios in Bedford, Massachusetts, or across the globe on such podcast channels as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Prime, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time. Happy storytelling. Happy storytelling.